0: You're listening to Have the Nerve, a podcast about disability. I'm your host Susan Wood, and for this episode I talk to Western Australia Green Senator Jordan Steele John, who was elected to the Australian Senate in 2017 at the age of 23, making him the youngest sitting member in Australian Parliament and the youngest Senator. Jordan and I talk about his first days at Parliament House as a person with a disability and why diversity is so important in politics. This episode was recorded as a video, so if you'd like to watch this interview, as well as hearing the entire episode of this podcast, head over to our YouTube page and have a look. So, Senator Jordan Steele-John, thank you very much for joining me today. Wonderful to be here. Just to start, you were elected in 2017 and you were the youngest senator elected. Do you just want to talk through... Um, why you chose to be a representative?
1: Uh, well, in, in some ways, Susan, um, it, it kind of chose me. Um, like, I, I, I'm lucky enough to come from a, a wonderful family that was very social justice-focused. Uh, my mum was a, a social worker in the UK for Child Protection Social Worker for 20 or so years. Um, and so social justice and the impact of uh, the systems that were been created, you know, uh, to support uh, people not working properly um, was something that you know I was very aware of, even from a very young age, combined with uh, care about uh, issues like climate change and protecting and preserving the planet. So all of the seeds of growing into a green, if you like, were planted with me from a very early age. Um, but what I have always been most interested in is... Uh, is like is people and working with people to organise, like to to uh, activate the power of like collective action, particularly at the grassroots level. So I loved as a kid attending protests and rallies, and you know, listening people kind of uh, disrupt the the political system and. Uh, and and like learning about strikes and the women's movement and the black liberation movement and all of these wonderful examples through history of people coming together uh, to push uh, against oppression and and for equality and justice. So um, I thought I would get involved probably in social work and that was what I was going to do or uh, teaching or something like that. Um, And I think in my teenage years, I kind of really... Uh, began to see that so many of the connections between the problems that exist in our communities and uh, the challenges that we face with disabled people lead back to decisions that are made by people in decision-making spaces called parliaments. And I was like, well, actually, seems like we need more people with lived experience in those spaces that actually want to make change together with the community. So that's what kind of led me um, to thinking politics was a good idea um, or where I wanted to put energy. Um, and then in terms of how I actually got like, elected, that's a whole other story in itself.
0: Let's talk about, just very briefly, um, your first day in Parliament at Parliament House. Uh, maybe there could be some people out there that that don't remember or didn't really uh, hear about it at the time, but do you want, want to talk about your first day at Parliament House and accessibility?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Susan. So it was, like, not good. Uh, it was not good, very bad. Uh, was what we, we discovered that there'd never been um, a disabled person that used a wheelchair elected to the Senate. Um, and so they had made no, no accommodations for it. Um, they didn't even have a desk for me to be able to uh, sit at, uh, you know, to be able to sit at in the chamber. Um, so none of that, none of that was a thing. Um, and so they had to improvise it. Um, And, unfortunately, they improvised it pretty slowly, so it took about seven months until I had a functional office. Um, We were just about to get the desk done, like we were able to modify the desk on the night before uh, Parliament started, um, thanks to the wonderful work of the carpentry team at Parliament House. But the doors uh, of every doorway into every office was too narrow. Um, or the the were too heavy to open, or there was no like accessible loo or anything. Um, so I did my pe- uh, first press conference with blood running down the back of my hand because just as I rolled out into the courtyard, I clipped it on a door frame. Um, so you know it was really bad. And what it did for me is it, it just uh, reminded me of uh, of the assumptions that had been. Uh, in that place for so long that a disabled person just wasn't meant to occupy these spaces, wasn't who was accounted for, um, and and ever since then I've been really passionate about uh, bringing uh, not only you know continuing the work of bringing more disabled people in decision making spaces, which is something I've always had with me, um, but upon discovering how inaccessible the parliament is, my my vibe is like we got to get that fixed because if the space that creates the laws that shape our lives is physically inaccessible, doesn't have disabled people in it, then we will continue to to have decisions made in that place that completely erase us, don't take us into account and make ableism worse.
0: Was there a conversation with you, previous to you coming to Canberra about accessibility, what your needs are, anything like that before you
1: actually arrived? There were a couple of urgent conversations with, with, uh, with key people in Parliament House, definitely. And unfortunately, because they'd never planned for it, it was very reactive. Like, oh, my God, we don't even have a desk. How are we going to sort this out? Oh, my God, there's not an office. How are we going to build one? You know, and, and then, then uh, as it got f- less and less immediate, if you like, the work slowed down um and that's something we often find as disabled people that they'll put out the immediate fire but the broader thing if you fight they'll put out the fire uh the work of like preventing the fire starting again is is harder to get people to engage with um but i've got a meeting set up uh with the head of department of uh of uh, parliamentary services and uh One of our other Greens uh, MPs, Nick McKim, has been a fabulous ally to me as our whip, part of our leadership team. So he's coming with me to that meeting to uh, crack the whip um, on the next version of the access inclusion plan for the parliament and to get some of this basic stuff uh, really speeded up now that we have collectively uh, yeeted Scott Morrison into the sun.
0: As you said earlier, you're not the only person with a disability in Parliament, Uh, not the only person with a disability on a state or federal level. Um, And like you said earlier, diversity of representation is incredibly important, um, especially when it comes to actually representing the people.
1: Well, I think, Susan, I think at the moment that I actually may be still the only person at that federal level, at the national level. Um, uh, that, like, that openly describes themselves as a, as a disabled person that we know of. There could well be people with invisible disabilities uh, in, in the Parliament or people that for one reason or another aren't, don't feel comfortable identifying in that way. But as far as like, disabled people that are like, yep, I'm disabled, um, I think I'm the only one um, at the moment. Uh, there's others at state level and there's disabled councillors but at the federal level, it's just me at the moment. Um, and it's really important that that change. Like, it's really important that we have uh, all the different types of diversity uh, present in our community, present in our parliament, because the key to a representative democracy, the key word there is representative. Um, and at the moment, even with the, 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 uh, more, the higher levels of diversity that exist, uh, within this new parliament, there's far too many older white blokes still in positions of power. So I, I think what we need to do uh, really urgently is get more disabled people involved, which means continuing to drive ableism out of our culture so that disabled people are not immediately dismissed, uh, making place and space accessible, and then making uh, like the platforms for discourse accessible. Parliament... Isn't Auslan interpreted? Like, if you are a deaf person, you, there's no way to access the content of anything to do with the, with a parliamentary debate through an Auslan interpreter. Um, so that is that's ridiculous. For instance, so all of those things have got to change. We need more disabled people in that space because um, these are the spaces where the NDIS uh, is changed, expanded, uh, you know, uh, fixed. These are the spaces where the DSP uh, and its levels are debated. But these are also the spaces where all of the other issues that affect us as disabled people are decided. Um, and we are holistic human beings. So, yeah, need more disabled people in there, need more young people in there, need more young women in there, and people of colour too.
0: You brought up the National Disability Insurance Scheme or the NDIS for people who aren't really aware of what that is if they're outside of Australia yes. and the Disability Support Pension, the DSP. And it kind of seems to me that the lack of representation of people with disabilities in Parliament um, and the continually talk about the NDIS and the issues going on with the NDIS might seem like the only thing that people with disabilities want to talk about is the NDIS and the disability support pension and maybe one other thing. Don't
1: forget accessible toilets. Yeah, accessible bathrooms. Yeah, the Paralympics. (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah we're all gonna be paralympians that's the solution susan we all go in the paralympics Uh, and like the paralympics is fantastic but the point is you know we are a diverse community, right? We can like all different kinds of things.
0: If we've only got very few representations of people with disabilities and we only talk about certain things, people might think that's the only thing that we're discussing, but that's not true. Um, Mm. Things that affect people with disabilities actually filter into every facet of society. Do you wanna give some examples of like things that you've legislatively we haven't really addressed for people with disabilities?
1: absolutely um, so uh, basically every area of policy right there's a disability lens there's a disability angle because uh ableism discrimination against disabled people infects every part of our society right um so in the housing space for instance um disabled people find it incredibly difficult to find and access public or affordable housing. Um, Public housing stock is overwhelmingly inaccessible to us as disabled people. um, And general housing stock is overwhelmingly unaffordable. So that's one issue right there. There's solutions to that. We can have nationally consistent uh, access and inclusion guidelines in in housing design. We can reduce the cost of of public uh, housing. We can cap rents so that disabled people can afford (laughs) to live In somewhere that is close to where they might be able to get a job, for instance, or on a train line. Wow. Um, So we can do those kind of things in the housing space, in the employment space. um, We've got a historically high level of disability unemployment. Um, And there's lots we can do about that, from holding employers accountable for discrimination, uh, through to implementing proper quotas and targets in the public service, um, so that we aim to employ about 20% of our public service workforce uh, from the disability community. Um, In the education space, um, still 15 to 20 percent of disabled uh, kids are educated in segregated settings, even though we know that special schools and special ed units, whatever you want to call them, uh, produce terrible academic outcomes for kids. Um, they, they create uh, segregated dynamics that are not really healthy at all. Um, and then there's some great examples of how to do education inclusively and that we need to be planning to achieve that. Um, but at the moment, the federal government, state governments are like, segregated education is fine. Um, so there's work to do in those spaces too. Um, and then in a, in a, a space that um, we often don't talk about because it's a bit you know taboo, but actually the intersection of disability and sexuality um, is a really important one. And then acknowledging that as disabled people, we... Uh, do have a right to sexual expression um, and that that needs to be supported in, in yes, in policy settings around um, the NDIS, but also needs to be supported through really holistic uh, sex education uh, presented to children uh, and, and young adults to so the entire educational uh, spectrum so that we, A, get rid of this idea of disabled people as non-sexual beings um, and also, Uh, give people access to information about their bodies, about healthy relationships, without an assumption that because you might have an intellectual disability or a physical disability or a neurodivergence, you either wouldn't be interested in or shouldn't be given access to that information.
0: And there's also a very new concept around disability pride. I, I feel like it's new. I don't know about yourself, but I feel like it's new. Oh,
1: it, it's very new to Australia. Very new to Australia. Yeah,
0: very new to Australia. And and we're still we're still trying to like, I guess promote it in a way. Um, yeah. And so when we're not represented in all facets of society, it's really hard to get the put po- the point across around disability pride <laughs> and being proud about your disability. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I think disability pride is critical, right? And a lot of people haven't, some people still in Australia haven't heard of it. It's a new, newer concept to our community. But basically, you brought it down, disability pride is about recognising that we as disabled people, regardless of our impairments or support needs, um, are members of a broader community in our uh, nation, four million strong uh, people that... Uh, are the subject of discrimination, are the, the, the subject of exclusion. And in the face of that, uh, uh, s- uh, discrimination and exclusion um, are, 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 are um, working collectively, not only to end it, but also to innovate, to uh, connect, to create, um, a- and to work together in ways that we can be incredibly proud of just as women, just as queer folks, just as people of color uh, are subject to extraordinary discrimination um, and have always and will always fight against that. um, And for that fight should be recognized um, and and supported, but also in their own right are the custodians and creators of incredibly valuable culture. Um, and peer support. Uh, and that's really the, the same for our community. Uh, what Disability Pride is all about is celebrating who we are as disabled people, both in the face of the discrimination that we experience and also acknowledging the contribution that we make um, to our communities um, and to our broader like. Uh, Australian project, if you like, as problematic as the idea of an Australian project can be. Um, it's certainly not about loving everything about being disabled all the time. Um, because there's there's always going to be a moment when you're like, oh, I understand that I'm experiencing this because of systemic racism, but it's still shit, you know, Mm. and I still wish I didn't have to do it. Uh, but it's it is about in that moment, feeling that pain and knowing that you aren't alone in it, and knowing that. Uh, ultimately, you are not the reason for it. The reason for it is the barriers in society and that we can break them down together and that as disabled people, we not only matter, we are good and should be celebrated and recognised.
0: And it's uh, it's about, I guess, laying the path for the next generation of people with disabilities and the children who... Also, grow up with disabilities who may not have that representation, or, um, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, may not have the representation that, well,
1: I didn't, did you? Mm. No, well, well, no, I think um, I had it in some places, but not really until I was a teenager. Um, did I have that kind of, did I meet other disabled people who were proudly and bullshitly disabled, you know? And like you know, like really, really are the equivalents of those proud, out, strong, staunch uh, queer members, members of the queer community, members of the black community that did that pioneered that same idea of like let's move the conversation on from justice uh, to the you know like in the American vernacular, the conversation went from like. Let's include and uh, uh, give justice to black people through to actually black power, black power, black pride, black beauty um, was the, the shift that was made, probably in the 70s, really, um, onwards for, for the African-American community. And that's where we're that's where we moving to now as a disability community with the help of Disability Pride is a, is a concept of pride, uh, power and and yes, beauty as well uh, and celebration. So, Jordan,
0: what what are you working on at the moment um, for for people with disabilities, or just you you know as as a whole? What, what what are you working on at the moment?
1: well it's a um god that's a big question so you know um but uh you know we've just had the first sitting of the parliament uh the new parliament there's a new energy and a new spirit to want to collaborate and get things done um one of our focuses as the disability uh, rights spokesperson for the greens is to fix the ndis um, and to ensure that disabled people are promoted into positions of leadership on the board, as chair, in the CEO position, within the broader agency, um, so that disabled people lead um, the work of fixing the NDIS, returning the taker, the cut money to the plans, uh, restoring the, the, the support hours, ending uh, the terrible cases of the AAT and all of the other work that needs to be done to end the exclusion of older people and to ensure particularly that neurodiverse People and people with psychosocial disabilities are not discriminated against uh, when they access the NDIS. So all of that work remains to be done, uh, plus uh, the work we need to do to uh, fix the disability employment system, make sure that healthcare works for disabled people properly, and so does the education system, uh, but also beyond, uh, beyond even that work. I'm also the uh, portfolio holder for the Greens for health, uh, and mental health, including bringing mental and dental care into Medicare, um, which is something we're going to be continuing to work on. Um, and I'm also the Greens spokesperson for Foreign Affairs, Peace and disarmament. So there's going to be a lot of work over the next three years in how do we de-escalate tensions globally? Um, how do we, as a, nurse, as a, as a country, uh, develop a peaceful um, and independent foreign policy How do we make sure that we rid the world of things like nuclear weapons and ensure that we don't uh, attain that capacity here? Um, And also, how do we um, uh, work to to expand Medicare more broadly um, so that you actually can get, for instance, an autism diagnosis or an ADHD diagnosis without shelling out $2,000, $3,000, $5,000? So there's a lot of work to do, but I'm really excited Uh, about what we can achieve together.
0: So we've got people we want more disability representation in Parliament, we want more disability representation everywhere. Um, Yeah. How do we encourage our able-bodied allies to get on board to take disability issues seriously? Because as far as I'm concerned or have noticed, we're pretty much the only ones talking about it at the moment. So how do we encourage them?
1: Here's Here's a really good first step. Uh, for for allies listening today, Um, the best thing you can do or one of the best things you can do uh, is get clear on what disability is, okay, and move the mindset from a conception of disability, which you may have um, as an ally, as something that is inherently tied to the person. So, you know, Jordan can't walk, Jordan can't, you know, go up a flight of stairs blah 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 you know um, to something that is uh that's to a mindset that sees disability as primarily a social construct so understanding that uh i might not be able to walk for instance but whether or not i can get into a venue um, if there's only a flight of stairs is actually decided by whether or not anybody thought to fit a lift you know, um, or whether an autistic person is able to engage in a conversation or a format in relation to, you know, contributing to an art space, for instance, uh, is dependent on whether anybody thought uh, to uh, allow space for a quiet room uh, if they need some time to to defrag. Um, whether somebody that is blind or visually impaired uh, is able to participate in their space is not to do with whether or not they're blind, it's to do with. Did anybody actually think uh, of, uh, of making this an accessible space for somebody that needs a screen reader, for instance, um, or for a deaf person who booked the Auslan interpreter? You know? like, And what we do when we do that, what allies do as they shift their mindset to that place. Suddenly then we can see that disability, the barriers, uh, the barriers associated with it, the negatives associated with disability are a product of decisions made by the collective community. Um, They're created by the ableism in those decisions, ableism, which we can all challenge together. Um, So by being guided by, by a disabled person to be like, hey, can you just check if the venue is accessible? You know, and actually if it isn't, maybe don't use that venue, you know? Like that, in the same way that men and uh, and white people have a critical role to play in deconstructing misogyny um, and, and ra- systemic racism, so too do non disabled folks in ending ableism.
0: All right, Senator, thank you so
1: much for joining me today. Thanks, Susan. Lovely to chat.
0: You've been listening to Have the Nerve, a podcast that has been written, produced, and edited by me, Susan Wood, and logo art by Kobe and more. This podcast has been funded by the Australian Department of Social Services as part of our resource hub. We want to empower people with disabilities, their friends, carers, research students, anyone just about disability. You can check it out by clicking the show notes in this podcast or head over to scia.org.au. Once again, don't forget to give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment and maybe reconnect with someone you haven't spoken to for a while and blatantly promote this podcast on my behalf. Go on. Thanks for listening.